Sober Sundays with Mike Michow. We're here at Floored Media and Rockville Center. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, Jay. He's not saying anything. Okay. Uh, and today, special guest, we have my friend Margaret. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Mike. Thank you for asking me here. My pleasure. Are you. are you nervous? A little bit, yes. I met Margaret, let's say, a long time ago. Yeah. Maybe you were working at Long Beach Hospital? I think I was. That's how I met you, yeah. In there. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey, your, okay. your recovery, your sobriety? ups, downs, all arounds. Okay. Uh, this month actually is a reflective month for me. It's not my um, anniversary month anymore, but in 2007, May 29th was when I would say I surrendered, you know, and I, I was, it had a lot to do with my daughter. Um, she had written a, a thing about the worst day of her life and, um, at the end of it, she had written that she wished she was dead, and I knew that it had that it had to do with me. And um, I don't know what happened. Like God just stepped in and put some people in my life, and the next thing I know, I'm asking for help for the first time. And I reached out to my sister. I have one sister. She's three years younger than me, and um, she said, "What do you want?" And I said, "I need help." So she took me to a detox at NUMC. And from there, I was picking and choosing where I'm going to go to a rehab. Where's the smoking? <laughs> where's the boys? By the way, I was 47 years old doing this. But um, anyway, I went away. I went to CK Post. And from there, they suggested I go to a halfway house. So my daughter was 12 at the time. And she went to live with her dad while I was doing all this. And, you know, I went to live in Mercy Hall. Mm. And uh, honestly, I kept thinking, how did I get here? How did I get here? But, you know, slowly I started to see, thank God nobody planned it out. I would have said no to all of it. And thank God it just unfolded the way it did. You know, there was no judge telling me how to do these kind of things. I just think God was carrying me. This was the first time you asked for help? Yes. First time you tried to stop, control yep. your drinking? Mm-hmm. I just thought this is tough. This is it. I had gotten a DWI when my daughter was um, three and she was in the car with me. And I got arrested. The car was totaled. Thank God my daughter was okay, but she had some trauma. She couldn't even get on a train after that. Um, Why, did you hit a train? No, it was just the noise. All the She was only three when it happens. And... Um, my, my, I figured that one out too. I said, I'm just not going to drive anymore. <laughs> That's it. Gave up my license, decided I'm not going to drive. And I remember thinking, I hope this kid makes friends where her parents will drive her around. So you weren't giving up I drinking. Was, no, I, I knew I was going to be drunk. I knew I was going to be drunk. I really didn't know anything about recovery, honestly. I mean, I knew about AA. That was not, you know, I went to an AA meeting in the 80s because I was at, um, where was it? I was at a rehab, I think it might have been Seafield, and I had a boyfriend who was a heroin addict. And I guess in discussing, I'm the significant other, they suggested I go to an AA meeting, so I went. And I'll never forget, I went, it was on, on a late uh, Memorial Day weekend. And, you know, I hung out with a lot of fun, dysfunctional people, so my friend was staying at my house in the West End, and uh, 
I think her boyfriend just burned all her clothes, so she ran away from him. I go to an AA meeting at St. Ignatius, and I'm walking down Beach Street with a big book they gave me, and all I could think is I'm going to save money. Like, this is a good way to save money because I'm spending too much money. And I get to the house, and my friend Jean, God rest her soul, she said to me, do you have to stop drinking today? So I said, I guess not. And then we went up <laughs> to the liquor store, and that was the end of that. And then when I got the DWI, that was in 1998, and uh, I had to go to AA meeting, I had to go to outpatient, and, you know, I'd get off the train thinking I'm all Miss New York with my high heels and skirt and getting them all fooled, and I I probably had a glass of, I didn't drink wine, I really drank vodka, but um, I drank the wine, I don't know why, I thought that wouldn't smell. <laughs> And I'd go in there and I just was like tricking everybody. But the re we, you know, I was tricking myself. I had no idea about recovery whatsoever. Whatsoever. And you knew nothing about recovery and you were working in the hospital? Well, I wasn't in working in the hospital then. I worked in construction in law not not physical construction, I worked for construction management. So there were a lot of topping off parts. I mean, I found my people mm -hmm. and I found them on the Long Island Railroad as well. The hospital meeting came into play. Somebody um, in my home group, she was the director of the EKG, and she kept saying, I'm going to you know, send you to school. You'll go get, and I'll give you a job. And I didn't even know what an EKG was. So I was like, all right. So I did that, and um, I went up working in the hospital until Sandy, and they closed the hospital. So that was uh, nobody would have offered me a job like that, ever. <laughs> <laughs> So you get sober in 2007. Yes. Uh, and then what happens? You're going, you're doing your recovery. I'm doing my recovery and um, I'm happy. I'm truly happy. I am so happy. And what happened is I got, I got into a relationship and um, honestly I fell in love and he got very sick and his cancer came back and there was a lot of stuff going on in our house where he was abusing pain medicine, which was never my store, never part of my journey. It was cocaine and vodka. But um, I wasn't sharing this part with anybody. I wasn't telling, you know, once in a while, like everybody knew he was sick, but I wasn't talking about how it was affecting me and what was happening on in our house. I figured it's none of anybody's business. Mm -hmm. And eventually I picked up, I had had surgery too. I had gotten colon cancer. So they prescribed the pain pills for me but that wasn't it, you know, like he took them. And then for some reason, there were so many of them around and I was running around with my daughter with school, running around to doctors with him. And I think what the problem is, I never shared any of this with my sponsor or anybody in my support group at all. I called them my friends, they were my friends. And um, everybody, my family, my sister, they, they were all thinking I'm just, wow, she's handling all of this. And I was actually stealing his pain medication. How long did that go on for? About two years. Yeah, I'm going to say it was about two years. It was hard for me to figure out when. And I celebrated and I celebrated. And then um, right when I celebrated my fifth year and um, he was dying. And I had to put him in hospice. And I knew where am I going to get these pills from? Like I knew what a yet was and that scared the hell out of me. So I wasn't gonna tell anybody, <laughs> nope. My ego is like huge now, cause there's no God in my life here. You know, I'm running all this show with these pills. So I went to a doctor 
And um, I tell him my problem. I heard about the Suboxone, but I also heard that was a problem too. Thank God for people sharing this kind of stuff in my home group because I could have gotten in trouble with that as well. But I go in and he says, you know, you have one day back. I was like, oh. The doctor told you this? Yes. He's in recovery. Oh. So there was no nobility in this, you know, coming out. But the next, you know, that night somebody came over to my house, a friend of mine, Regina, and she took all the pills and everything, cleaned out all of his medications because he's in hospice now. And um, I went down to my home group, which is Early Risers, and I raised my hand and I said, my name is Margaret and I have one day back. And it was brutal for me. Like I really, really pushed when, when I first got here, I had went up to St. Mary's Church on this May day, and I was in the garden there asking God to help me. And it wasn't to stop drinking, because I'm still, I'm super sick here. But he put people in my life, and Billy was one of them. And there was hope, like I saw something. You know, when we talk about the power of attraction, that's what I saw. He was good looking, but... <laughs> um, it was the way he was happy, and he was going through all these medical issues back then, too. And I was like, this isn't what I'm thinking. Like, this is different, you know? It was, he was happy, and he was funny, and he was doing stuff, and he wasn't drinking and drugging. And I wanted that. And that's when I started going away and stuff. But um, with the pill thing, you know, I, went, I took that Suboxone, and then I started slowly weaning myself off. And I had to go see, um, you know, a psychiatrist to get the pre prescription. Mm -hmm. and I got afraid. This I, I felt like he wanted me to continue on them, so I weaned myself off slowly. It was a brutal year, physically brutal, and um, I never thought I was going to feel good again. I just didn't think I was ever going to feel right. I am grateful for this recovery, and I am also grateful that that doctor said you have one day back because I would have been sick of my secrets. This is all I kept thinking. You're as sick as your secrets, you die on self be true, and none of that was true. And I was, you know, doing AA, but I wasn't, it wasn't here. It wasn't here at all. So today, because I have that experience, I, I know I can help other people. And I know when somebody's like full of baloney, like they'll say, oh, they think I look high. And I'm like, well, you do. Well, I don't <laughs> feel it. Wrong answer. <laughs> But I feel I can help others more now that I'm being honest. And this is the most honest recovery I've had. My new sober date is now July 13th. And this year I get to celebrate 11 years of recovery where um, I don't hold back now. You know, I have a great family. I have, you know, my sister has been so supportive to me and like today, I was telling you, I went to this birthday party. I couldn't even make the, like, this is my <clears throat> my niece's son. I never made it to her high school graduation. I got to go to her wedding, her baby showers, bridal shower. I just love being a part of the family and that they want me there. What happened with after Sandy and the hospital? Now, I take it that you were able to That help. was the same year. That all happened in the same year. Like, uh, Billy had passed away in July of 2012 and it's sandy and i'm working on my year back I'm, I'm counting days again so what happened was like after after the hospital went, i didn't know what i was going to do i got super scared like the financials oh my god i was like how am i going to you know what am i going to do 
And um, I reached out to some people and they said, you know, there's this guy. He just started a business. Like most people were starting up businesses after Sandy HVAC companies. That, so I went up working with this guy and he was in business about a year when I started working for him. And I've been working for him ever since. Now he's got this huge business. And um, that's another thing. Like, I, I mean, I couldn't make two, uh, two weeks without taking at least one day off. So, <laughs> you know, now if I'm taking off, it's the truth. I'm taking off for a reason. I get to go on vacations. I get to, I have great friends in recovery too. Like, so supportive. Now, were they supportive, the, the friends, the sober support? Do you feel like they were judging? Were they supportive of you? No, not at all. Not at all. Especially my home group. They were just like, don't beat yourself up. Give this some time. Because I was. I was beating myself. And like I said, the ego was involved. A huge ego. And I didn't know it. Like, And then I started unfolding. You know, it was like peeling back the onion one more time. I think I needed probably that relapse. I mean, I'm very fortunate. Mm -hmm. I heard many of my home group members like, you dodged a bullet. I remember going to therapy um, at Reach, and the guy was just like, I can't believe you didn't drink. I can't believe you didn't drink. And I kept saying, what's the big deal? And I thought about it. I was like, I'm really lucky I didn't drink. Like, or worse. worse. It was going to get ugly. And like I said, you know, if I didn't have my daughter when I first got here, when I sur initially surrendered, I don't know that I'd be sitting here. You know, I really don't. And when I got pregnant with her, I was so scared. Like, how am I not going to drink during the pregnancy? And I failed a couple of times. And I was terrified of that. And now I had this baby and I didn't know what I was doing. I really had no clue. I had no coping skills whatsoever. But that was the moment when I knew I said, this kid is screwed if I don't do something. I mean, I, I can't talk about anybody else involved in this, but... For me, as her mother, I knew she, the kid was screwed if I didn't do something. And how old is your daughter now? Oh, she's going to be 28 in July. Wow. Yeah. So what's this relationship like? Our like relationship now? today yeah. is good. It's really good. I mean, if you caught me last Tuesday with it, it wouldn't have been <laughs> so good. I, You know, that pause button, I didn't use it. I didn't do anything. I just went on the attack. But we do have an open relationship, very loving. You know, um, I don't know, it, like... I remember when she was in high school, she shared me that, with me that she was gay. So um, I remember sponsoring a woman who told me her experience with her, her parents, and it was terrible. And I was like, I just want to be present and tell her, you have my full-on support. And um, this has changed. But now she has a boyfriend, and she's very happy, and she much she's very mature. Like... And over the years, I hear the language of the heart coming out of her mouth. And I know that's because of alcohols, obviously. The things that I, the way I speak to her and the way we convey messages, it's all from Alcoholics Anonymous. The Alcoholics Anonymous helped me raise my daughter. I was going to say, I wanted to ask you about the growing up part, the, um, the, the being a, the mother, yes. the, the, the friendships with all that recovery that you have and you know, all the support around you has got to be. It's, oh my God, I'm going to start crying. No one's ever cried on it's, Sober Sundays. It's okay, I won't do that, Ben. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
listen, I, I can't even believe I'm alive today. You know, my mother was dying of cancer before I got here. And um, so when I was about to have three years of sobriety, it was May 5th, she passed away. But she, they, she said, call Margaret to come get me. Nobody was calling Margaret. I gave her a gift to be sober. Mm -hmm. I put my mother, my sister to hell, and my sister's family. I mean, I didn't show up for things. I wasn't there. That was a huge gift for me. When I heard her, her husband said she said to call you. And I got to be with her the night that she, she passed, and I could tell her, it's okay, you can go. Because I felt like she was holding on. I said, we're going to be all right. We'll take care of your man. He'll be okay, too. I'd never show up for anything like that. I would have made it all about me. Everything would have been about me and a wreck I am. When we had our funeral, everybody came back to the house me and Belly were renting. And um, I was watching. It was a beautiful May day. And I was watching everybody going in and out of my sister's car to get drinks. I said, wait a minute. You can do that here. You can sit on our porch and drink. Just do me a favor and take it home with you. And even I was shocked by this, like, the enormity of what I was saying. I wasn't afraid of the drink, but I don't need it to stay in my house either. And then I got to take a rest, too. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you, because of, of where you live, there's mm -hmm. a lot of bars, a lot of drinking. Yes. Is Does that make it more, more difficult for someone to get no. sober? No, absolutely not. Not in my case. On You know... I always had God in my life as I was a kid. Um, my father died. It was very scary. We were little. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, what if something happens to my mother? It was immortality. And I used to go into the church. Not, I'd go to Mass, but this would be on my own. And I would get that ease and comfort. Like, I would feel better. Like, he, he's going to take care of us. And I talked to my dad, too. Mm -hmm. And... That went to the side once I started drinking. So when I come back to God and I and my sponsors always telling me that in the worst of times, that's when God wants you to seek them. So I hadn't lived in the West End for a really long time. And um, my mother left her house to me and my sister, which is in the West End. And I was perfectly fine with moving there. I was I just felt like. You know, my sister and I worked it out where I could buy her out at a nice deal. Like, these are things that nobody was going to do. You know, they weren't going to put me in a house because God knows I'd burn it down or something, you know. And I get to live there and I give. To, I feel her presence. There's so much gratitude that I have, Mike. I can't even explain it to you. Like, I never felt like I did this. I just asked for help. And once I asked for the help, it just came. So now... I can't, there's countless people through the years that, you know, I had a lot of single mothers that we were all doing the same thing together and she, bouncing off different things. Like, it was just, I don't think I could have done it any other way. You know, I couldn't have been able to handle, no, not at all. But, you know, like, it's so funny. I think about me and my sister, we were raised by the same mother. She had coping skills, Want did not. Like, I just... Didn't have a clue. And these steps have given me those coping skills. What, what can you tell us from 2007 till here we are, 2023? 
you've been so engaged and involved mm-hmm. in your recovery program. What, if you could wrap up like what you take away or what it's done for you. Oh, okay. So what it's done for me is, um, actually what I see it's done for others. If, you know, if I can help somebody else and I see that, that light coming back in their eyes, like I'm just, I remember thinking I wanted to spray it on somebody, this good feeling, but that, that would be, that would be cheating the person. It's this journey to get each day. And I just, I know I'm still growing. Like I fall short so many times. I really do. Like I, you know, I forget I'm driving in traffic, but I'm going to a job that I can work at. You know, I forget these things that I get to do all the things I get to do today. But honestly, the, pe- the people who love me can depend on me. I'll tell you, my sister gave me this Tupperware thing at, after Easter, and it was all glass, and it was a really good piece. <laughs> if you know anything about my mother and her Tupperware, you know, bring me a Tupperware back. And I said to her, you really trust me? She goes, yes, I do. And looked me right in the eye and said, yes, I do. Miracle. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk to us a little bit about how you can help other people. Okay, I am blessed that uh, women have felt comfortable enough to ask me to sponsor them. Um, that was a growing thing too, like I, you know, boundaries, things like that. But I get to um, share in their lives, you know, get to know them intimately, and then, you know, there are certain things that people share that I know that they don't want out there, and it's so strange. I remember hearing a woman saying, "I'm a vessel." that when somebody puts it, and that's what I prayed for, and it's so true, that happens. There's a young woman I'm sponsoring now, and she's sober a while, she is sober a while, um, and she asked me a couple of years to sponsor, and we've been going through the book. She comes to my house, or we'll do it on Zoom. Getting to know her and these other women that I have in my life that I sponsor, they're so much fun. I mean, I've seen one woman didn't want anything to do with God. She, you know, her experience with the Catholic religion was her experience, not mine, but it was very hard for her. And we went on a retreat. Oh my God. It was life-changing, life-changing. I wasn't in the room when it happened with her, but I, she was in one of the things and she was like, that's it, she, God. And that's all, it's her God, you know? And that's the other thing, like I try, you know, I know what my God looks like, and it's very immature. It is the white hair and sitting around with little children, but that's my image. But it's also uh, when people share in the rooms and I hear something, because I could have something going on not even knowing it. And somebody will say something, I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Words to put to whatever this is. I don't know. I think I forgot the question. Did I go on a tangent there? No, you didn't go on a tangent. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) What do you get? What do I get? Out of helping other people. Is this a necessity? I mean, you're somebody raising a daughter. You go to work. You go to a lot of meetings, maybe. What I get out of it is, um, honestly, it's, it's just being there for everybody. Like, I know I never showed up for anybody in my life. You know, and as a sober woman, I get that. And when I get to help another alcoholic, I do a lot of praying, you know, that God's words come out of me 
and I'm even shocked sometimes at the things I can that come out, and I'm like, oh my God, that sounds really brilliant. I like thank her. You God. She sounds great. Yeah. Th <laughs> thank you, God, for those words. Um, I get to stay sober. You know, that's it. If I'm not doing this, I'm not going to stay sober. And what, that doesn't mean that I'm not just not drinking and drugging. That means I'm insane. And if I'm lacking in my meetings, my daughter says, you should see a therapist that I know I'm lacking in my meetings. That was what, what Tuesday's conversation was. <laughs> and when she said, I went, no, yeah, I think I should go to more meetings. So what I get out of it is what I put in. If you could take anything back, would you take anything back? Listen, there was damage done, you know, I'm sure, I know, for my daughter. Sure, I'd like to take that back, but I think I had to have every single drink to get where I am today. And we've talked about this, and she goes to therapy, and she doesn't hold anything against, you know, there's nothing, nothing like that that goes on. I, that would be it. I mean, I'd hate to say that I wish that I'd, but that's a painful one. That's a painful one. Do you think but it's I made your relationship it. what it is today? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It would not be like this. It would not. Uh, I don't even know if I'd be alive to see her turn 28 in July. You know, I don't know that... that I was very sick. The bottle slept with me at the end. And uh, I wasn't even getting drunk anymore. Just feeding it and feeding it. And I didn't know. I had no clue what was going on. You know, in step one, when they tell us, you know, when I read the doctor's opinion, that was the first time that I could lift my head because it explained why I kept drinking like this. I just thought this is the way of life. And I truly didn't know anybody, many people who didn't live my way of life. You know, a lot of people drank, but they didn't, they weren't doing what I was doing, like a homeless, homeless with a kid, no job, all that stuff at the very end. It was, it was a hot mess. Is there anybody out there that you wouldn't help or can't no. help? No, anybody, anybody. I mean, if I could in any way, and if I couldn't personally, I would find somebody who could help them. You know, I've done that, you know, bring somebody around. So, why don't you come here to this meeting? I think you might know, like this crew. I'll bring them down to Young by the Beach for more relatability, like that kind of thing. But um, if I knew that I absolutely didn't have the time to give somebody who needed it, I would, find, I would help them find somebody. So. so I asked this other old-timer we had on last, last week. Mm -hmm. um, would you? Have you noticed any changes or shifts in, in, in the programs that you go to or? In my recovery? For good, bad, or indifferent, just overall. Yes. And honestly, it has to do with what I'm putting into it. You know, my shifts, I can go into like, I'm not a really good winter person, so I can tend to isolate real easy there. And then I have people like, you know, my friends, they'll, they'll say, come on, we're going to pick you up. I'm like, all right, if you pick me up, I'm going out the door. But if I, you know, that, that kind of thing. Izzy's not a great driver. No, he's a terrible driver. He really is. But, oh, I didn't say that. You're a great driver. And Colleen does the same for me. And come uh, my sponsees. They'll come pick me up, get me out of the house. And then I have a sponsee who she struggles with it too. I'm like, okay, you and I are going to do it. 
so the only shifts I can see is what I'm not putting into it to go in another way. And then the more I do put into it, I feel so much better, so much better. But sometimes I sit in my shit, you know? I don't know what that is. Like a little pain every now and then to remind me of how good I have it. Okay. You want to say anything else, Margaret? Um, I do want to thank you again for asking me to be here. And I'm, I'm hoping that um, this is helpful. You know, I really do hope that it's helpful because, you know, I have nieces that say, well, if Aunt Mare could stop drinking, anybody could stop drinking. So God bless my nieces, my sister, my freaking lovely daughter. <laughs> uh, great job, Margaret. Thank you so much. Thank you. If anybody's looking for help, they can contact me or Margaret. Yes, absolutely. And you can reach us at SoberSundayPodcast.com. Uh-huh.